Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to drill down into the latest set of results from US and European companies. We're in the midst of earnings season here, looking at the FTSE 100 companies. We've had five or six big sets of results out today, and we're going to look at two of those in some detail. We're obviously going to touch on the wider market and what's happening there. And to do that, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thanks very much for being with us this morning. Hello again, John. Good to be back. So we've got... A busy morning out there today, Alan. It's very difficult actually trying to pick out which stocks we're going to focus on because there's been so many real headline stories uh, in the last 24 hours. It's It's been very difficult. I mean, looking at the, the FTSE 100, we had quite a strong day yesterday on earnings and, and we're grinding higher again today. And there's two companies, as I said, that we're going to to go into in more detail, looking across at the United States, it, it, it's a similar story, really. Um, you know, we've seen some of the big tech companies uh, report in the last 24 hours. There were some misses on profits. Um, we're seeing quite strong revenue uh, figures from these companies, but profits uh, are missing. So that's quite an interesting one and maybe something that we'll go into. But Alan, just looking at the these results, I mean, for, for you, We've had a lot of talk this year about you know, cost of living crisis, what that means for the consumer, what that means for company earnings. We've also had talk of uh, interest rates, and that's something that's going to be particularly interesting later today when we see the Federal Reserve, if they, if they follow through with their predicted 0.75% increase in their uh, interest rates, but you know all of this doom and gloom doesn't seem to be coming out in the figures from these companies. It, do you think that's something that we we may have missed in in Q two, and and a lot of that pain could to be coming you know a bit further down the line, maybe sort of Q three Q four this year. Well, it's interesting, interesting, John, isn't it? Because the markets always look sort of six to nine months ahead. So on that basis, they're expecting. Really, earnings to uh, to continue, and um, as 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 we've said, I mean, we've got a cocktail of results out this morning. Uh, we're going to be discussing Rio Tinto shortly, and of course, Lloyd's Bank earnings. Um, you know, they're they're different in many ways, but they're still largely positive. Um, and of course, um, we've got uh, U.S. companies uh, also reporting uh, decent earnings, and the markets are are rising on the back of it, but. Um, there is, of course, a lag. Um, so as as perhaps the price squeezes really start to bite, and I think we're we're seeing evidence of that uh, certainly in Rio Tinto's results this morning, which I'll come to uh, a little later. Um, but we are going to see an impact on companies as the uh, as inflation um, uh, price increases start to squeeze, and and uh, and of course. Uh, um, demand starts to fall. Um, if in fact d- demand will uh, 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 does actually fall, but uh, at the moment there's there's little evidence that that is actually happening. But um, we, we've got it. We've got this unusual situation uh, where where we have high inflation. We know what it's being driven by. So um, 
to some extent that that inflation is being ignored because it's being put down to Russia hiking uh, gas and energy prices, um, and of course that 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 is the the primary issue behind it. But um, but but of course, uh, if Russia itself can trigger um, a, a, a global recession, uh, which I think it would uh, very much like to do, given the sanctions that uh, have been wrought on its own economy, um, then, then of course, that's something we'll have to deal with. But um, it, 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 it's certainly not due at the moment to a lack of demand or appetite uh, in the market, because we've, we're still coming out of COVID. We've still got com- um, economies that need to spend to uh, redevelop their infrastructure, obviously in China, of course, and of course in the US as well. Um, we've talked uh, often about the Biden infrastructure budget. You know, the, all of these factors are in place to to really provide a, a fairly positive backdrop to for companies to for companies to sell into um, Russia's uh, invasion of, U, of the Ukraine, uh, notwithstanding. Indeed. I mean, that's a particularly interesting point to look at when you're considering inflation, because as I mentioned, the Federal Reserve this evening is set to increase their interest rates by 0.75%. I mean, that's a huge amount, considering that most central banks had, uh, you know, rates uh, around zero for about mm. a decade. Um, that that will take you know, the, uh, the headline rate in the United States up to at 2.25 to 2.5%. But a lot of this, as you mentioned, is down to what's happening in Ukraine and the impact that it's having, first of all, on fuel prices and how that's pushing up prices, but also on food. So this is yes. something that could quickly be alleviated in you know, the, the second half or, or early next year. It's very difficult to predict uh, what's going to happen over in, in Ukraine. Um but, I mean, do you think that's something that these policymakers are aware of and they're quite happy to really go hard now, knowing that you know what they're trying to fight is out of their their control to some extent? You know, th- them hiking interest rates isn't going to have any impact on the amount of um, oil and gas that Russia is supplying to, to the rest of the world. And it's not going to have any impact on the amount of grain that ships out of um, Ukraine. So... You know, they've given themselves some space there. And do you think, you know, when we see a little bit of positivity in uh, in these company earnings, we, we're just seeing investors saying, OK, maybe this situation isn't going to be as bad as it uh, as it was first thought. And, and as you said, maybe looking forward six months to a situation that that's alleviated. And, and we do continue really from the recovery from the uh, the recession. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think that's already in evidence. I mean, the we had the uh, the grain supply deal agreed for Odessa. And of course, we've got those huge silos at Odessa that are full of grain. Um, and there's an agreement between Russia, Turkey um, and uh, and other partners to get that food distributed. So so if in the midst of this invasion, the invasion and the conflict, the grain supplies continue. I mean, Ukraine's a vast territory. So so, of course, the the harvest is still being uh, harvested per se, and um, if that food gets out to where it's needed, then that will take certainly take some of the pressure off food prices. Um, uh, but of course, we still have the energy issue to resolve. But the fact that that agreement really came out of the blue um, is quite a, quite a positive sign. And I think uh, I think you know maybe maybe the uh, economists um, and those 
within the central banks are looking at this and thinking, well, you know, this is, although it's a major issue, it's, it's an isolated issue and one that could be resolved if diplomacy continues, then a resolution could be found, in which case, yeah, we've, t- we've been ultra cautious in the moves we've made. So perhaps if the crisis is resolved, some of those interest rate rises can be reversed. But of course, in the meantime, you've got uh, the, the, the positives from those rate rises are feeding over into the banks, as we're seeing, we'll see shortly with Lloyd's. Um, this morning, of course, has announced um, a big jump in earnings. And certainly the, uh, the, the net interest margin that Lloyd's is now earning has improved on the back of those interest rate rises. And of course, that will feed across to other listed banks and financial institutions around the world. So it will, in turn, provide a boost for the financial sector. So whilst in the interim, we may see an easing um, or a continued easing in the commodity sector and the energy sector um, that could, to some degree, be offset by by um, improved earnings and uh, and margins in the financial services sector and, of course, including banks. Yes, yes. So we're going to move on to to Lloyd's now. One one thing that's particularly, um, I think, pertinent when you're looking at what's happening with the food prices. I'm just looking here at a chart of of wheat futures for delivery in December of of this year. And they've fallen by about a third um, since the middle of of May. And that really represents when we've seen the the very highest inflation data. So that's something that's going to be closely watched to see how that translates through into food prices um, going forward for the rest of the year. Um, So that's going to be something that I think is going to um, be on the minds of, uh, of central banks when they're looking at these inflation figures and what they do with interest rates. So, Alan, now talking about interest rates, as you mentioned, one beneficiary of the higher rates, uh, higher interest rate environment has been Lloyd's. They beat expectations this morning. Shares are up nicely. What do those results look like? Yeah, it's a very strong set of results, as, as you rightly say, John. The shares are up 4.4% this morning. Uh, you know, really, really... Uh, Pundits are really pleased, and uh, the, the bank actually beat expectations. Um, Half-year income, net income rose twelve percent to eight and a half billion. Um, interest, uh, net interest income was the key driver there. Thirteen percent increase in net net interest income, and of course that's the the uh, difference between what a bank earns and its interest on the loans, and the the amount it pays in interest on deposits. So. So, of course, with the increase in interest rates, that uh, net uh, interest income is now growing substantially. And that, for, for Lloyd's, of course, is very, very important. Um, and also, bear in mind that uh, the group um, is one of the big lenders to the domestic mortgage market. Um, we've seen a big jump in uh, the mortgage book, uh, grew by over $3 billion. Uh, We've got a buoyant property market regardless of the recession. So, all of these factors, you know, it, it further point to the fact that uh, the the drivers for inflation are very isolated drivers. It's not it's not an economy wide issue. It's been driven by one specific factor, which is of course the Russia Ukraine invasion. So so I think you know that that's obviously a positive for Lloyd's. Um, of course, you know <laughs> the, the downside of the banks still that we have these impairment charges from. Um, from uh, um, uh, adjustments to uh, outlook, and of course, uh, and of course, impairments with uh, with insurance issues and other other issues uh, uh, that uh, relate to 
relates uh, back sort of five to ten years ago. But but certainly, um, you know, the, the the bank as a whole is said it's very well positioned given the the macro backdrop at the moment, um, and it's up to its full year guidance on the back of that. So certainly, looking at the uh, the, the bank, of course, it pays a dividend yield of four and a half percent so so given where the stock's been and where it's uh, where it's going to it looks a very looks to be of a great value at this point and i don't think um you know certainly certainly if, if the interest rates do fall later in the year um then i think lloyd's will continue to benefit from the the current um net interest income that it, that it's um or, or, or the uh, the net interest income that it's earning for some time to come so looks good value at this at these levels Yes, yes. I mean, income investors, you're looking at a 5% yield at the moment yeah. on, on Lloyds and given that favourable outlook for their, for their profitability with the higher net interest uh, margins, you know, that, that looks to be supported going forward. So certainly when you're looking at Lloyds around that 44p level, I know it's a household favourite and one that, that most inv- investors will follow. Um, you know, it certainly does start to look uh, look attractive there, especially for the longer term investor that, that values uh, income from their stock. So moving on now, Alan, we've we've had quite an interesting sort of couple of years really in the markets because we've seen you know, markets really being driven higher for a period by mining companies, including Rio Tinto, which we're going to move on to now. And they really I, mean, I think it was the last quarter or earlier this year, they, they've paid out bumper mm. return to, to their shareholders. But it seems as though we're, we're starting to see a bit of a, an inflection point, maybe for the miners, because they, they've looked to reduce their payouts to shareholders uh, this morning mm. um, in, in, a, in an update, which you know, goes against a lot of the ones that they've given out in the last uh, sort of year or so. Well, it is, but in in context of what it's been paying out recently, um, the group is still paying out its second highest ever interim dividend of four point three billion dollars, and and that's fifty percent in line with the policy. And of course, previously with the bumper payouts, we've been looking um, in the region of sixty five to seventy percent. So, whilst it's a fall, it's still a chunky old dividend, um, and I think um, you know several observers this morning have said that um, uh, oh it's signaling that the end of uh, record returns in the mining sector certainly the end of record returns for now but not not I, I don't believe it will be sort of um, the, <coughs> excuse me uh, for, for some time to come we've of course got uh, concerns about um, the demand continuing from top uh, commodity consumer China um, but I think behind the scenes, it's not just China that's Rio selling into. They're also selling into into the US, into South America, into other burgeoning economies as well. Um, but the the fact is that um, the group the group still has earned uh, some three hundred million in net cash at the end of June, um, and uh, um, the, the, the speculation I think that um, because of the downturn in uh, the mining sector, a lot of the Mid cap and the smaller cap miners um, are going to take quite a hit on the share prices. So, of course, this is what Rio's done in the past. When when the uh, when the sector's sort of been on its knees, the group has been very good at conserving cash, and um, it uh, it will use some of that cash to make acquisitions 
two to further bolster its balance sheet, improve improve its already fantastic economies of scale. Um, and uh, you know, I, th- I think um, I think uh, because of Rio's historical payouts, pundits were expecting another smash and grab record to take place. But I mean, as the company said, you know. Four point three billion is still a staggering payout by any standards, you know. So, and the chief exec uh, Jakob uh, Stausholm um, said as much in, in his statement this morning. Um, but the but the fact is that it does release more cash to the group to make these acquisitions. So, for Rio, it's just Rio managing um, managing a quieter time uh, forward slash downturn in the mining sector. I, I don't think, um, and I think the the fact that it shares off this morning, um, shares currently off three and a half percent, just shows possibly the disappointment of some fund managers in the sector. It doesn't detract from the quality of Rio as the cornerstone of um, the, the cornerstone investment for so many fund managers. In fact, it's an opportunity at these levels, I would say, to pick up the stock further still um, because it's got the capability and it's managed the business so well that if conditions permit, it will go back and it will return to making those uh, record payouts again. Um, so, so I mean, from my mind, uh, to my mind, I think it's a business being well managed. I think the, I think uh, uh, the the less or, or the reduction in dividend um, is 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 a side show. I think it's a red herring, and I think uh, you know you're still going to be getting a payout in the region of sort of eight nine percent probably over the year if it, if it's maintained at this level, which is still fantastic by any standard. So um, so crisis, what crisis? Yes, I mean I'd have to agree to some extent. There, Alan. You know, of course, coming off such good figures, you know, to, to beat those, you, you can't consistently beat the, the payouts that they've made recently. You know, that was on the back of a very strong year, and you're always bound to see uh, a pullback in metals prices, as as we have to some extent. And that's obviously translated into to slightly lower earnings for for Rio Tinto. Obviously, the miners are probably the most cyclical um, sector that you can get out there, particularly in the FTSE 100. So uh, to see you know, the share prices dropped back today and we've seen a bit of weakness so far this year. I mean, one would have to expect that, uh, you know, given what they did in the prior year. But now looking at shares bouncing around near £45, you know, it's still, as you said, a, a huge dividend uh, payer there. And, uh, you know, with, with the yield that they have, like Lloyd's, uh, you know, those longer term investors that are happy to ride the ups and downs and take the the cyclicality of the mining sector um, certainly starts to look quite interesting uh, with uh, with Rio bouncing around where they are on that share price. I think so. Um, so, yeah, all, always the mining sector is one, one to, you know, the, the beta of the mining sector, you know, how it quickly it moves compared to, to the rest of the market. It's always way up there. So you're always going to see these shares start to move, uh, you know, very quickly as it has done this year to the downside um, it's obviously outperformed the market, or underperformed the market on uh, on how it's moved, but one likely to outperform the market as we go forward um, through this soggy patch in the economy. Yeah. Uh, so definitely, yeah. definitely want to keep the eye on there. Um, so we're going to stay within the mining sector, but we're going to move towards the other end of the market, which we've been speaking about um, FTSE 100, Rio Tinto. Uh, we're now going to move towards the small cap end of the market with the company Green X Metals. We touched on 
very recently on the podcast. But what's been the latest update from them? Well, this isn't this isn't an interesting uh, play. Um, again, we've spoken about Greenland in the past and uh, the opportunities there. Uh, uh, talking about other companies, but certainly uh, Green X Metals. Um, I think uh, that there's there's an interesting. It's an interesting legacy play, and also it's an interesting play on um, on the development of the of of Greenland itself as 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 a as a prospective region or country for for mining. Um, so Greenex historically has evolved from, or the the listed entity has evolved from uh, prairie mining, and uh, there's there is an historic claim in place there. Uh, for um, relating to lost profits from two coal mines in Poland, the Jankarski and Debiensko coal mines, um, and uh, there's a big there's a, a big legal case going on, uh, which the company is is very confident it's going to win with the Polish government, um, and there is a claim there for at least 740 million in historic damages to come through from um, from from any outcome. The the, the uh, that case is also well funded. Um, uh, Green X Metals has twelve and a half million dollars in the kitty for litigation funding uh, to cover its costs and expenses. But as you can imagine, with a case of this nature, it's a long and protracted process. So um, the outcome of that clearly will it will happen when it happen it'll happen when it happens. But um, the 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 actual project itself the company are engaged in is called the Arctic Rift Copper Project. And uh, we've spoken about companies operating at the southern tip of Greenland. This company is operating at the northern tip of Greenland um, and uh, is uh, engaged with a, another company called uh, called GEX, to, um, which uh, GEX is um, uh, short for, hang on a second, I'll find the name. Um, it's... Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's working with with GEX to develop the um, the Arctic Rift project, which is a world class copper project, um, and it can earn GreenX can earn eighty percent of the art project in total by spending uh, ten million Australian dollars by October two thousand and twenty six. The company is well funded to be able to do that, so that is not an issue. Now, this art the art project is. Um, uh, is a huge territory covering um, five thousand seven hundred square kilometers, um, and it's it's in in the northeast of Greenland, um, historically underexplored. But with, of course, um, uh, the global warming, uh, a lot of the the the, uh, te- the permafrost territories are melting, and more of these areas are being revealed to explorers. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is entirely. And of course, on your view on global warming and uh, and the ramifications of that, but um, it's thought to be a huge metallogenic province, um, analogous to the the Kiwana Peninsula in Michigan, uh, USA, um, in terms of its uh, geology, in terms of the shape of the geological anomalies that uh, are being seen there, um, and uh, Kiwana. Um, uh, has a mining dam of some seven million tons of copper contained in sulfides, um, plus eight point nine million tons of native copper. Native copper. Um, the art project um, contains 
copper sulfides at surface. So you can literally walk across the territory. Copper sulfides are visible. And of course, it's bubbled up through the surface as the crust formed millions of years ago. And uh, these are there to to be discovered. So if you go to um, the uh, Greenex uh, Metals website, there's some very good maps which uh, help to explain the project. But um, most significantly, most significantly, the company announced um, um, last week that uh, a field program um, is is starting uh, in the coming weeks. The company's deployed five geological teams uh, to to that they're landing sort of in the in the in the uh, waters around there. They've, there's an exploration ship that's taking the team with all-terrain vehicles, the ATVs there, um, and the team are. Uh, have identified what they refer to as walk up native copper and copper sulfide targets. So literally, they'll just walk up to them and sample them and uh, and, and and go from there. So very exciting program underway. Of course, uh, logistically, uh, if if it's uh, at commercial level, then um, then it's a question of developing uh, developing the project, uh, developing the infrastructure, extracting the copper, getting the copper to market, all of that. But there's going to be an awful lot of news flow. Now the team are on the ground there. So we're set for a very exciting quarter two. In terms of the the share price, uh, you know, remembering also, also that legacy claim as well, the company's got a valuation of 63 million Australian dollars, about 36 million pounds sterling at the moment. So um, I'd say it's very fairly valued given that balance. And of course, um, if there's there are signs that that claim is going to be awarded and that money comes in, then that alone would uh, would completely um, completely change the the valuation and the structure of the company because there'd be uh, there'd be many many times the current market cap in terms of cash coming into the company after expenses. Um, but uh, but uh, it's about the news flow from the art project that uh, that's really going to be the key driver for this. And certainly, you know, shares sitting at 14p as they are at the moment, um, year high of 16p, year low 10p. So nicely positioned, given that work is now underway. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be an opportunity, I think, to buy the stock on any weakness. And um, certainly at 14p, I think the, the, the company offers great value. Indeed, indeed. Certainly an interesting uh, proposition there, Alan, with a couple of different things to look at, the exploration and also the, the legal side as well. So definitely one uh, to, to get stuck into there because there's um, some more detail to be had uh, from GreenX uh, for investors that want to drill down and have a look at the specifics of those two things. So moving on now, Alan, but staying within the, the mining uh, sector, Power Metal Resources, regular listeners to the podcast will be Familiar with Power Metal, they presented at our most recent uh, summer investor evening in the city of London, and we've had Paul Johnson on the podcast very recently as well. But they've had an update uh, this week, Alan. What does that look like? Yes, sir, John. It's a quarterly business update. It was out early this morning. In fact, I will be talking to Paul in an interview later on today um, about the quarterly business update, but. Um, uh, yeah, Paul said himself, just really summarising the events. First class metals, um, which Paul, which uh, Power Metals sold the Schreiber Hemlo interest. Of course, that's the Schreiber Hemlo Gold Belt um, uh, in Ontario. That's on the north, uh, on the, at the on the northern coast of Lake Superior up there. Um, so all of those assets are in first class metals, and there's a big joint venture, of course, going along 
with Palladium One um, at the North Hemlo asset, the first class metals uh, flagship North Hemlo asset. Um, and also, of course, the company Power Metal disposed of its uh, stake in the Botswana Canyon Resources joint venture to Kavango Resources. Uh, and the company still has um, a big shareholding in Kavango. Um, plus also Gold Metal Resources, which has the Pilot Mountain Tungsten project um and the stonewall uh stonewall garfield um uh, and uh and uh uh um uh, golconda gold projects um all within fairly close proximity to each other within nevada and of course nevada's a famous famously uh bullish mining jurisdiction um uh, contains the walker lane gold belt and many many historical workings and many mines uh, operating in the area but uh, the pilot mountain tungsten assets really exciting so gold metal resources nearing completion of its own ipo preparations and then of course we have first development resources uh, which plans to list um, its australia focus it's uh, has assets in the patterson province uh, close to uh, the uh, Greatland Gold, Haveran Mine and Discovery, um, and also, of course, the, the Rio Tinto uh, Winnie Mine there. Um, so so all of these companies are coming to market. In fact, I'll also be interviewing the uh, First Direct Resources CEO, Tristan Potters, uh, very soon. Uh, uh, so Tristan's going to update us on the developments there. But um, Paul said this morning, the crystallization, crystallization of the value of all of these spin-offs into strategic investments um, will be transformational for um, Power Metal. And uh, certainly the company, you know, trading at the moment with 14 different projects around the world and all these IPO spin-offs is, um, is, is valued at 13.6 million, which is astonishing, uh, just over 0.9p. So um, uh, I fully expect that to change uh, um, as we go forward into, in, into, the, into the second uh, half of the year. Um, the, uh, Paul also mentioned the uh, growing focus in the company with uranium. Um, the, the company uh, announced yesterday it had added further assets to its Athabasca uranium assets. And of course, with First Direct, First Development Resources, um, First Development Resources is also also owns the CELTA project, which is adjacent to the the Patterson Province assets, uh, Wallal, uh, Brayside West, um, uh, and Ripon Hills in the Patterson province region. So um, uh, Paul also touched on the Botswana interest, uh, the Malobo Farms uh, complex project and the Tati Greenstone uh, belt project. The Greenstone area, of course, you know, um, uh, Greenstone tends to provide very prolific uh, opportunities for gold explorers. So looking forward to hearing a lot more about that. But, uh, but certainly there is so much happening at Power Metal, um, as I've said before, any one of those projects coming to fruition or making a significant discovery will be transformational for the share price. But you're getting 14 million projects and numerous IPO project spin-outs for a valuation of just 13.6 million, which is derisory in my view. But there we go. Yes, yeah, something that Paul mentioned uh, himself and pointed out is you know that whole sector has been hit pretty heavily. Uh, just as the FTSE 100 miners are highly cyclical, as are the junior explorers, but the beta of those compared to the benchmark is through the roof. So you tend to see very sharp troughs, and that's something that we're seeing at the moment. So for for the more adventurous investor, obviously, you know, the small cap mining space isn't for, for everybody. Um, power metals and uh, many other 
mining companies within that sector looking particularly interesting. If you want to know a little bit more about power metal resources uh, and get uh, the comments from Paul Johnson, do check out the video section of the UK Investor Magazine website where you'll be able to see his presentation uh, from last month at Haberdasher's Hall. Uh, particularly interesting comments and, and particularly interesting Q&A session at the end of that. So do check that out. So just the recap of the stocks we discussed today. First of all was Lloyd's uh, with a ticker of LLOY. It was then Rio Tinto with a ticker of ROI. And it was then Greenex with a ticker of GRX. And just then we touched on Power Metal Resources, which has a ticker of POW. Alan, thank you very much for being the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just as a, as a final note, we're actually going to put a link in to the video section of the UK Investor Magazine website to the notes of the podcast because we've just had uh, last week uh, another instalment of our virtual conferences and there were some great presentations there from Tech Capital Advanced Onco Therapy and Trident Royalties. So do check those out as well. Thanks very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.